Morning, everyone. Hi, uh, my name is Van. I'm uh, the pastor here at Vineyard Northwest. Great to see you all today. Awesome to be together. That video that we just watched is uh, from a movie called Joshua. And in this movie, the storyline is that Jesus shows up in a modern-day community and uh, moves into this small community and sets up a business there, and it shows all of his relationships and, and, and how that all develops. And in this scene, uh, this man, Theo, falls and dies from that fall, and then uh, Joshua is, is the uh, character's name. Uh, if you don't know this, in the Old Testament, Joshua is the Hebrew word for Messiah or Savior. It's the equivalent of uh, the New Testament, Jesus. And so Jesus, or, or Joshua, speaks to this man, Theo, and uh, brings him back from the dead. Now, I don't know. I, for some of you, that might seem a little corny. I mean, watching this video and watching that, I don't, I don't know that. But as I watch it, it really seemed powerful. And uh, you know, I just thought it's, I mean, that's really how Jesus did it. That's how he raised the dead right there. When he went to Jairus' daughter uh, and, and brought her back from the dead, he was in the room alone with her with, with just a couple of his key apostles. And he spoke to her. And he said, little girl, rise up, or little girl, wake up. That was as simple as that. He spoke right through the veil of death to that person on the other side and said, come back, and drew them back. In the book of Acts, there's a place where a woman dies by the name of Tabitha, and Peter does exactly the same thing. He goes into a room with her, and he speaks to her right through the veil of death, and Tabitha arise. And so it's pretty powerful, pretty powerful scene. And it really reflects a a lot of the essence of the answer to the question that I raised in the sermon title today, which was the same as last week. Why are we here? Why are we here? Now, um, before we get get to that, uh, just, uh, just for a second, I wanted to say that um, I, I spoke last weekend but some of you have noticed I haven't spoken so much over the course of the summer. Some of you have noticed that, haven't you? You haven't noticed? Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad. I hope you haven't noticed. Uh, we've had great, uh, great messages and speakers uh, throughout the summer, and that's been a, a real exciting thing for me to see, to see different speakers up here and, and just doing such a fantastic job. It was kind of a sort of a break for me was like a little sort of a sabbatical. I was still here at the church and still here every weekend, but not uh, doing the message week after week after week was, was kind of a refreshing time for me. So, so I'm back now and um, for at least, you know, for a few weeks here and then we'll have someone else speak and I'll speak for a few more weeks and we'll, we'll fall back into that pattern. But um, today, what I wanted to talk to you about is this question, why are we here? When you ask that question, you could look at it a couple different ways. You could ask, you could look at that philosophically and, uh, and say, well, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? And why, and, and in, a, in a very esoteric way, why am I here? But that's not what my point was in this question. The question, in the question, I wanted to emphasize the word we. Why are we here? In other words, why are we here? As a church body, I'm not asking why are you here today, but why are we here as a church body? And if you come here on a regular basis, then you're part of this. 
As I've said in the past, anybody that is a regular is part of the greeting team. And if you become a three times or more, then you're a regular. But if, if you come here, then you're part of this. You're part of what God's doing here in this church. And why are we here as a church body? It could be different uh, ways you look at answering that question. Uh, one answer could be as simple as, in 2001, when we started this church, uh, there weren't any churches, n- not many anyway, on this side of town that had our style and our approach to ministry as well as uh, not, not just stylistic, but also emphasis on the Holy Spirit and a desire to teach the Bible. And so uh, for, for this church to start with something kind of moving this direction that was already other parts of the town, n- not entirely the case. I mean, there were other many, many good churches here that have been ministering here for decades. And when we came in, we never felt like we were coming in to be the answer to anything. We just felt we're, we're going to do what God's called us to do. And we're going to take up our part along with all the other good churches that have pro- been proclaiming the gospel here for years. We're going to take up our role that God's called us to in, in this community and in this side of town. But that could be one answer. Another answer could focus on the size of the church. On any given weekend, we have roughly 650 people that, that come out here to this church in our three services. Uh, th- that, that means that overall, we probably have 900 people that are here on a fairly regular basis that would say, yeah, I'm, that's my church. And, and they come and they're here at least a couple times a month. And so that, that size of church can do things that a smaller church can't do. And so you could say, well, the size of church we are gives us some reason to be here uh, in and of itself because there are ministries we can engage in and things we can do. But I think that as we really ask why are we here, we want to get down to the idea of our core heart value and core heart purposes. And to do that, uh, uh, this, this other way that I have to look at this is to ask this question. And that is when we started this church, what was really going on? What was happening in our hearts? What was the vision and the call that God gave us at the very beginning of things? And <clears throat> this week, as I was preparing this message, I, um, pulled out a paper that I had written in 2001 uh, simply titled First Document because it was the first thing I had written about the church and, and what, what uh, Lori and I were conceiving of. And in it, the first line said, Lori and I. And so uh, my wife Lori and I had th- this joint desire and vision and heart for this, that w- we felt called by God to start a church on the northwest side of town that would be a vineyard. And then I went on to describe what it would look like, what our, what our heart was for it to be and what we believe God was calling us to and God calling us to as a church and what God's still calling us to today as a church. And as I read through that paper, uh, reread it, 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 talking about how we're going to approach the Bible and talking about mercy and talking about community but, and talking about ministry. But throughout the whole thing, th- there were these statements about the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And you couldn't read that paper without recognizing that the one thing that we were longing for was to be part of a church body that combines the pro- proclamation of the truth with the present, real power and presence of the Holy Spirit, where people feel God's love, where God's presence is a manifest thing, where it's not like a hidden work. 
And maybe to understand some of the passion in our hearts for that, it's helpful to understand our background a little. Because Lori and I came from a background where uh, we were taught that the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal himself in a felt way today. That there's not like experiences you have with the Holy Spirit. That there aren't times when you just sense God touching you. And we've actually, I taught in for the first 15 years of ministry that experience was uh, counter to really real faith because you don't want to put your faith in an experience. And, and so we were really, we pushed experience out of the way. But what that did was it left us simply with proclaiming truth. And truth in and of itself possesses power. There's no question about that. The word of God it has life in and of itself. But it, it eventually led to a real strong sense of dissatisfaction. I know in my own heart, I wanted more of an experience with God. I felt that if this is supposed to be a relationship, then relationships, in a relationship, you experience the other person. I mean, at the least, you sit in their presence and look them in the eye or shake their hand or give them a hug or something. And I never experienced God's presence. And so I had this heart longing for that. But I think even more significant than that was my heart longing to be in ministry where we could see people encounter the presence and the love and the power of God right on the spot, right at the moment. And in those days, we had no expectation of God doing anything. I mean, if we prayed for somebody, we thought, well, if God's going to do anything, it's going to be kind of like a secret thing. You know, the Holy Spirit works in secret behind the scenes, and he never does anything overtly to touch people. Two, two short stories that kind of illustrate that. Uh, when we were still in, in, in uh, this segment of the church, and, and I was pastoring in this segment of the church that didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit... Uh, there was one man I was ministering to that uh, had been involved in a long-term adulterous relationship that uh, he confessed to his wife and they were, they were repairing their relationship and she was very merciful and gracious. And six months into this uh, repair cycle, he fell into the relationship with this other woman a second time. A couple months after that, he came in and confessed it again. And so they're on their second round of this at this point in time. And I was sitting there with this man in my office. And I remember very clearly looking at him and thinking to myself, oh, God. I wish I could just, I wish, I didn't know this word, but I, I wish I could impart something to him. I wish I could right now pray for him and he would have a moment where he sees and experiences your love and your presence and your life and yet your power. And, and I just, I felt so inadequate as I sat there and, and all I could say to him was the Bible says and stop it. That's all I could say to him. And, okay, honestly, sometimes that's what we need to hear, too. But we need to hear that in the context of the Holy Spirit all around moving and empowering. But sometimes we do need to, in a loving way, just look a friend in the eye and say, Stop it, man. you got to stop this. You're ruining your life. But that's all I had. And it was about that time that we were just beginning to explore Holy Spirit ministry and it really almost started out with a deeper understanding of spiritual warfare. And so I remember after the third round, this happened three times. After the third confession, Lori and I were praying with him and his wife. And we were just, I was just starting to engage with spiritual warfare and understand it. 
And I think Lori understood these things all along, but I was just, I was just catching up and just starting to understand it. And in that meeting, I remember praying that something, I, I prayed against an evil spirit and commanded it to leave. And after we prayed, he said, something happened there. And his wife said, yeah, something happened there. And I'm kind of like, well, that's awesome. Something happened. But this couple did. He got some freedom after that. It took a lot of work, a lot of years of rebuilding trust. They're still together. But it, 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 it was what I looked and saw was I want more of that. There has to be more of that involved in ministry. More of this, we're going to pray and something's going to happen. The expectation and seeing something happen. And this other case, a young guy that uh, was in, I was in my early 40s at this time, and this young guy was in his uh, mid-20s, married, had two children. He and his wife came in to talk to me. They, they knew someone in the church. They'd never been to our church. But in the midst of this conversation with them and listening to the woes and the pains of their life, I sat and I just felt totally ho- helpless and hopeless. I mean, they were hopeless. I was hopeless. I was just sitting there thinking, I mean, I gave them some advice on how to communicate and, you know, how to do this better and how to do that better. But they needed more than that. They needed, they, they needed the Holy Spirit to touch them. And I didn't quite know how to verbalize that at the time. But I went through this meeting with them, and I'm just thinking of getting out of the meeting because I don't have anything to offer them. And that's a very, that, that doesn't feel good. That's a very uncomfortable place to be. And so we come to the end of our counseling session, which I was never a good counselor. And uh, that's kind of evidenced by I'm sitting there thinking, man, I can't help these people. You know what, God, God, I, I, I just want to get out of this. But um, at the end, I, the thought came to my mind, share the gospel. And so I shared the gospel with them and asked him particularly, Would you, do you want to receive Jesus Christ? And he said, yes. And so I led him in a very simple prayer and he looked up at me afterwards after he had prayed this. And he said, wow, that was refreshing. And I thought, oh, that's cute. <laughs> you know, isn't that sweet that he thought that was refreshing? And um, had no idea what had happened, but found out later that the Holy Spirit had come and touched him in a really powerful way in that moment. And, you know, I wonder how many of us, the moment we received Christ, there was just this powerful touch from the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many of us could say that. Yeah, for me there was. Then I went for years thinking that's not supposed to happen. Or maybe it happens once when you first come to know Jesus, but not after that. But what I've come to believe is that's what God has for us all the time. That's to be a regular part of our walk with him. And so what I saw there was we just cracked the door open. And like Zach said last week, just a little crack of the door and Jesus just floods in. And the Holy Spirit just had flooded in and impacted this young guy and, and repaired so much of the loss and the pain in their lives. They still had a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. But, but God did something powerful there. And I thought, I want to be in on that. I don't want to just be in the room when it happens. I want to know it's happening. And I believe what God wants is for us to be aware of that happening. I think he wants us to see it happening. And he actually wants us to call it into reality. He wants us to be part of inviting it to happen. Now, I just invited it with that, just that bare little crack of sharing the gospel, and the gospel has power, and he was impacted. But what God wants us to do, he wants us to see it and to, and, 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 and to say, Holy Spirit, come. 
Holy Spirit, come. If I had, if I had that to do over again, I'd lead him to Jesus, and then I'd, go, I'd lay hands on him and just pray for the Holy Spirit just to rock him right there. Holy Spirit, come. Just flood him with your love right now. Just let him experience this flooding experience of your love. And that's what my heart's longed for all these years. And when we started this church, that's what our desire was. To have a church that, that preaches the truth and that values truth in the Bible, but also a church that values just the, the real release and presence of the Holy Spirit who pours out the love of God into people's lives. And then with that, then the power is almost like a secondary thing. When presence and with that presence comes the love of God, then the power of God flows in too and people's lives are changed. And so when we started this church, that was our desire, was to have a church that focused on truth, that we don't shy away from truth, we speak the truth, we read the Bible, teach the Bible, but we couple that with just this awareness of the Holy Spirit's work and the Holy Spirit's presence and power and ability to change lives. And so um, what I want to do right now is read through a passage from the Old Testament. A guy called a guy named Ezekiel. He was a prophet. And how many of you have ever read Ezekiel or know who Ezekiel is? Okay. Yeah, you know, he has these visions of all these spinning wheels and weird things. And John Wimber, I remember hearing him say, Ezekiel was one weird dude, you know. And, and it's true that God speaks to us through our own frame of reference so often. And so somehow these visions that Ezekiel had were part of his kind of like brain, the way his brain worked. And, and that's how God spoke to him was through some of these. But this vision we're going to look at today was something I can identify with. And, and I think you might be able to too. Because in this vision, it says that the hand of the Lord was on Ezekiel. It's in chapter 37. And he took him up and he took him to a valley And this valley floor was filled with dry bones. And the Lord walks Ezekiel around in this valley some. And I could picture Ezekiel kicking a few bones. And man, those bones are dry. They're dry, totally dry. And then God says to Ezekiel, do you think we can bring these back to life? And Ezekiel responds positively. So God says to him, Ezekiel, you pray. You you don't not, not pray, but you speak to these bones. And tell them to come back to life. And that's what Ezekiel does. And as he does, the bones come together. Sinew forms on them. Muscle, skin tissue. And then ultimately the breath of life comes back into them. This is all a picture of what God wants to do in our lives. And in the lives of people around us. I mean, we all look around in life and we see lots of dead, dried out bones around, don't we? I mean, life in a fallen world without God leaves disappointment and heartache and unfulfilled promises and sicknesses that we just sometimes can't seem to shake, even though we, you know, God's kingdom is here and we're fully committed to healing prayer and relational pain and depression and doubt and fear and all of these things. And we look around and we see all of this. And, and I want to tell you, we need the power of God. We've got to have the presence of the Holy Spirit just pouring out, just pouring in the love of God. These bones are going to come to life. It's not just power. It's love. It's experiencing God's love. And the release of his power in that love brings those dry bones back to life. And that's what we're about as a church. We're going to read this passage, okay? 
just want to read through it with you. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 3. It says this. Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live again? O Lord God, I replied, you know, you alone know. Now, what I see in that answer is Ezekiel, he puts no limits on God. He's not going to say what what God's going to do. He doesn't know yet. But he's saying, well, that's up to you. If these bones are going to live or not, it's up to you, God. You can do it. I know you can. And I read that and I think to myself, I want to be a man that doesn't put limits on God. That's what I want. I want to be a person that doesn't limit what God can do. I don't want to sit across the room from somebody ever again in my life and feel that hopelessness and think I want to get out of here because I don't know what to do and it makes me feel inadequate and it preys on my own weakness and I don't like that. I don't ever want to do that again. I want to be a person that never limits what God can do. And I want to be in a church of people that don't put limits on what God can do. We look around us and we, we look at the lives of friends that we have whose lives are broken and the, they're, they're, just, they're dried out. I don't want to look at them and say they can't be brought back to life. I want to be part of a church, and I think you do too, that wants to be a place where we can bring those people and they're going to experience the love of God. And they're going to experience God's presence. And that's going to bring healing to their lives. And so Ezekiel put no, no limits on God and uh, just opens the door up. So, you know, here's what God says. This is very interesting. God says, oh, you think I can do this, huh? Awesome, Ezekiel. Here's what we're going to do. You do it. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to do it. So look at what he says in these next verses. Then the Lord said to me, prophesy to these bones. Okay, Speak to these bones, Ezekiel. Speak to them. And what prophecy is, is speaking the message God has at the moment God has it, and it brings his life. That's, what, that's all prophecy is. It's not like all about telling the future. I mean, there are prophetic books in the Bible that do speak to the future. Uh, but it's, it's really just speaking life. The, the words God has at the moment he has, and it gives life. And so he says, prophesy to these bones and say, dry bones. Okay, just like, like in, the, in, the, in the video, uh, uh, Theo, come back. He's speaking to something that's dead here. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so what does he do? He partners with God. He accepts this invitation. God wants us to partner with him. God's going to raise these dry bones. How's he going to do it? Through Ezekiel speaking. Through Ezekiel speaking. And later he gives the apostles authority and power in the New Testament. And he tells them, go out. I'm giving you this authority and power. I want you to go out now and proclaim the life that I give and heal the sick and bring the message. And so you and I are called into this. It's been God's plan all along. You know, when people sit back and say, well, if God wants to heal that person, he'll heal them. Or if God wants to heal me, he'll heal me and I don't need to get prayer. That's, that's contrary to God's plan. God tells us to do it. He tells us to walk in his power and authority. 
And what that means, if I'm sick, I need prayer. I need to go to someone else for prayer. I need to humble myself, follow God's pattern, what he wants, and and allow his love to be released into my life and with it his presence and his healing. And so we read on. Here's what Ezekiel does. He says, so I spoke this message just as he told me. And look, I love this word, suddenly. Suddenly. He's speaking and boom, suddenly. There's this rattling and he says, uh, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. So as he speaks, as he speaks God's truth in this declaration, life happens. Suddenly, just life springs up. And then we see this. Last passage, then it says, Then the Lord God said to me, Prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say, This is what the Lord God says. Come, O breath, come forth from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. And look at this last statement, a great army. See, those of us who have received life don't receive it just for ourselves. We become part of a great army. And, and the word army used in the best possible way. Not conquering other peoples, but not, not taking land and territory, but pushing back the kingdom of darkness. By making these proclamations of God's truth and speaking truth and bringing people into the kingdom, bringing people into faith in Jesus. We take back territory from the enemy, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of God advances. As we pray for the sick and they're healed, we are taking back the authority of the enemy over that person's body and the sickness that's there, and the kingdom of God's coming and bringing life and wholeness. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of light advances. And so we're all in that army. If you've accepted Jesus, you know, there's no de- deferrals. There's no uh, four Fs or anything like that. It's, it's, we're all part of that army. That's what I want to be part of. And I hope that's what you want to be part of in, in a church body as well. Well, you know, I've planned today to have us um, share in a, just a real special story. Uh, we have a young lady, Shauna Taylor, that's going to come up right now. And she's going to share with us how she came to know Jesus just in the past year or so uh, through the ministry here. So, Shauna, come on up and join us. Oh. Good morning. <laughs> I'm falling down. Uh, well, Shauna, it's great to have you here today. It's good to be and here. And I've heard your story a couple of times. I know it's going to bless everybody. But would you just start off, tell us, uh, where were you spiritually, say, a year ago or so? Okay. I can say that a year ago today, um, I didn't think God was a real person. I didn't believe in Jesus. Um, I just thought God was this made-up thing that people came up with so that they had someone they could blame for everything that went wrong in the world. Uh, Anybody identify with that? (laughs) And so that was a big part of who I was. And I made it, you know, I didn't, I was like, Christian people, you know, they're good on Sundays, but the rest of the week they're not. And that's just how I felt. And I chose to not associate myself with people like that and not make that a part of my life at all. Mm. So you came to you came to Cincinnati and you mm-hmm. you started at UC Blue Ash. Yeah. And um, 
and, and there, I mean, there is some part of your heart that's desiring something because you go ahead and tell, yeah. tell the story. So I moved to Cincinnati right after I graduated high school and I didn't know anybody at all. And I wasn't happy where I was. I just found myself wanting to go back to where I had always been. And I was just lonely and I didn't have people. Um, I just had my mom. And so I was sort of lost in that. And I started going to UC Blue Ash and I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. My mom sort of talked me into it. And I kind of at that point started to get curious about what this God thing was all about. Yeah. And so I'd started a job there over the summer doing their orientation sessions. And I remember telling myself, God, if you're real, you will bring me a friend because I'm all alone and I'm sick of this. And um, a couple of months later, I met Wilson Cochran. Um, and... We didn't really talk a lot at that point, but he eventually got around to inviting me to this Bible study group that he said he did on Friday evenings. And even though I was curious, I was like, I don't know if I can go to a Bible study. That's weird. (laughs) I've never opened a Bible in my life. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, And so, yeah, it took a lot of convincing to even Mm -hmm. get me to go there. And, you know, I talked to my mom about it and she was like, you don't know people here. So you might as well go meet people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I guess. So, your mom, mom was here with you last night. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so she wasn't, she hadn't accepted Jesus either. And so it was weird to me that she was pushing me to go hang out with Christian people. Yeah. Um, but so I went to go one time and I got super sick and I was like, this is a sign I'm not supposed to go. <laughs> And, um, the God that doesn't exist is giving you a sign. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And, um, the next week I went, so I came to Coleraine. I was living in Westchester at the time. So I made an effort to get here. Mm -hmm. Um, but I showed up and I remember walking in and I was like, I hate this already. (laughs) I was just like, I don't, these people are kind of strange and there are too many of them. And I'm just super nervous. And so I sat there and I didn't talk the whole time mm-hmm. and just kept to myself and, you know, went through Bible study, did worship. And then we got to this part of the night at house group that we call ministry time where we just worship together and we pray for each other. And one of the girls who was there, who's my really good friend now, Amanda, um, gave this word and she was like, I feel like God wants to reach out to you. Um, because you view him in a way that you view your earthly father. And he wants to show you that that's not how he is. And I was just like, what? It's like, there's no way you know that. There's no way God told you that. And see, that was like a prophetic type of a thing. It it just, she was speaking to something in Shauna that Amanda didn't know. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. So I was like, God didn't tell you that. That's not true. There's no way. And I wasn't going to say anything about it at all. And then I finally like just felt this thing in me that was like, you need to say something. So I was like, yeah, that's me. And um, so we went and we prayed with each other. And I honestly can't explain it. I mean, now I could, but then I probably couldn't. I just started, I felt like this weight. And I just started to sob and cry like uncontrollably. And she just prayed with me and just prayed peace and just love over me. And like, I just felt this overwhelming joy and I was a generally unhappy person up until that point. So that was crazy for me. 
And she just looks at me and she goes, have you ever accepted Jesus? And I kind of laughed at that. Not going to lie. I was like, no. And she was like, do you want to? And automatically it was just like, yeah. Because at that point I was like, there's no way that God is not real. There's no way that Jesus wasn't a real person and all this is happening right now. Yeah, because of the words she gave you, the prayers. Yeah, yeah it was all yeah. the word. Like if she'd never said that, I don't know mm. if my mind would have been changed as soon as it was, but it was mm-hmm. just instant for me. And I was just like, yeah, like why didn't I accept Jesus before? <laughs> so we prayed and I accepted Jesus right then and there. And um, it'll be a year next Friday. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So that's, that's really awesome. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then from that point, you know, everything just sort of took off for me. I still had some doubts and I was just like, you know, just because I've accepted Jesus doesn't mean anything in my life is different. Like, I just know I believe in that now. But slowly, like my mind and just my heart started to get transformed. And I started to recognize who I really was as a person because of Jesus. And I just got, I was super interested in learning more about the Mm -hmm. prophetic and just learning more about how Jesus touches people and how the Holy Spirit works. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I ended up being on leadership at house group and now I lead worship at house group. And I intern here at the church, which I never thought I would work at a church. So that's (laughs) different for me. Um, and just all these crazy, awesome things have been happening. And looking back on my life, I realized it was because I viewed church as a religion Mm -hmm. and not as having a relationship. Mm. And that's just such an important part. And I stress that to people when I talk to people about things all the time, I'm just like, it doesn't like the words you say, they matter, but at the same time, it matters how Holy Spirit is touching people and just how they feel that relationship and they can connect with God because Mm -hmm. that's what I cling to. Like if it all went away, I would still have that relationship. And that's. I'm going to pray for Shauna right now. Father, thank you for your work in Shauna's life. And thank you that uh, you had Amanda there uh, ready and willing to speak the thoughts you brought to her mind. And we just, we just thank you so much for that. Bless Shauna as she continues to grow and serve you in you, Jesus, and, and serve you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Shauna. Thank Thanks. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So uh, we're going to worship now, and um, as we worship, this is a time for us. Really, collectively, we're doing something together right now. Some of these songs are actually prayers, and when we sing them, we are praying to God together. And when we, we have songs that are focused on who God is and, and we're just thanking him for who he is. That's We're worshiping together. And there's something about that. God loves it. And he, and he reveals his presence. So I'm just going to pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit would come and that each of us would sense a deeper sense of his love and a deeper sense of uh, his, his uh, life and power in our lives. Would you stand with me, please? Father God, thank you so much uh, for your goodness to us. Thank you that you do want the dry bones to live. And even right now, Lord, whether we know Jesus uh, or not, you want the dry places in our lives. You want those that don't know you, Jesus, to come. But for those of us that do know and we have dry spots, you you want to just rain on those right now. You want to pour out your life and your presence into those dry places. So come now as we worship in Jesus' name.